0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the 44th episode of the Liam McCollum Show. I'm gonna hop right into this interview because it's a very important one, but if you haven't already, go subscribe to me on YouTube. I'm starting to include more visuals in my podcast, mainly because the interviews are happening on Zoom and Skype, but I'm also including screenshots of articles that the guest may reference or images or videos, if applicable. In this specific interview, I include a very moving video that you might want to see. If not, though, please go subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Also, remember to give me a five-star rating or give the video a like. Thank you, and here's the show. All right, everyone, I have the assistant editor of Reason Magazine, Billy Binion, back on the show. If you don't remember, I interviewed him back in July for some of his coverage over uh, Cuomo in New York and the nursing home deaths, something that wasn't covered as extensively as probably should have been by the mainstream. So he needs to be commended for that. Um, With the controversy that happened with the underreporting, it became a controversy like two months ago, but he was speaking about it in July. So like I said... He should be commended for that. He is also the assistant editor at Reason and comes out with some great stuff over there all the time. Uh, and today we're going to talk about some of his most recent stuff. So, Billy, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. Yeah. So, your most recent article is Overcriminalization Killed Dante Wright. Um, obviously, everyone knows this case. I'm sure everyone has heard of it. Uh, but you're kind of making the case that we need to take a step back and look at the line of causation here. Um, some people are saying that the air freshener is why he got pulled over. Some people are saying it was the expired tags. Others are saying that doesn't matter at all. So do you want to just give us the facts of the case here?
1: Sure. So at first it sounded like it was air, his air freshener and the police chief or the former police chief came out and said it was his tags, which then led to get him led to him getting cited for his air freshener uh, hanging from his rear view mirror, which is uh, illegal in Minnesota. Um, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm of the persuasion that cops shouldn't spend so much energy looking for pretextual reasons to pull people over. And by that, I mean, um, essentially, every time you get behind the wheel of a car, you're waving your Fourth Amendment rights. You're saying to any law enforcement officer that they can essentially pull you over for, you know, if you look at them wrong. Um, and a lot of times they do this as a technique to sort of get people for other offenses. And it sounds like he had uh, a warrant out for his arrest for two misdemeanors. Um, which kind of led to this escalation because he you know tried to escape um, and the police officer mistook her gun for her taser. So she ended up uh, shooting him one shot, he falls back into the car. the car kind of idles to a stop, crashes into a car at the end of the road and he was pronounced dead.
0: Yeah, and then I also hear that um, part of the problem that or the reason that he didn't go to court and the reason there was a warrant out for his arrest is because, the notice to appear documents were sent to the wrong address. I don't know if that's correct, but.
1: Right, I need to look into that a little more. I I think that there, yeah, there's circulating in some news reports that um, it was a Zoom hearing and that there were five notices sent to him, all of them unopened. Um, So perhaps to the wrong address. Um, So yeah, and it's certainly an interesting conversation to have there around, you know, bureaucracy and, you know.
0: Efficiency of it. (laughs)
1: sure exactly i mean and to me that's something you know conservatives i think have a knee-jerk reaction against some of these conversations but i think a lot of these arguments are inherently conservative right like conservatives like limited government they like you know getting rid of stupid laws ostensibly they're at least so they say um and so i think that should also apply to law enforcement to our uh, criminal justice system
0: yeah and i actually know someone who's pulled over in Minnesota for. Having an air freshener hanging from right,
1: it's not unheard of. Which is why yeah. you know a, a lot of journalists were kind of pilloried for that. I and mean, then every news report that I saw, including Reasons, updated with the uh, you know police officer statement after that press conference. Um, but it's not unheard of. I mean, I linked to an article in my piece when it, when it was you know when that was the only reason we thought he was pulled over um, from twenty eighteen that talks about you know people getting pulled over for rosaries on their rearview mirror and fuzzy dice. So I mean, the idea that that is a misdemeanor to a petty misdemeanor to hang something from your rearview mirror is just like a classic example of government overreach I mean it's just it's so stupid like why is that worth a police officer's time
0: yeah yeah definitely um and then I was just curious is there a libertarian side of you that says like well if it is his plates his plates were expired like um I mean like I question licenses in general like if
1: sure so actually 100 that's actually why when that information came out we of course updated our article but my thesis didn't change and the reason it didn't change is because i also think it's stupid for cops to pull people over pretextually for that i mean like the idea that you have to register your vehicle with the government every single year it's a government revenue raising racket they're just trying to get your money um it doesn't really serve i to my knowledge many helpful purposes i mean i guess if your car were to be stolen, it would help. But the idea that you have to register it every single year, and that you have to pay hundreds of dollars in fines, if you forget, is just absurd.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And then I, I, something that I've been saying is just that we're getting bogged down in a lot of these conversations. And I wonder if you share in this that like, um, we might get bogged down about the innocence or guilt of these officers, when really the criminal justice reform shouldn't hinge on a trial as much as like, why sure. they were there in the first place because I'm, I'm pretty sympathetic um to police officers growing up in a conservative family i do know some people who you know they they want to protect they don't want to police. so the more you put them in these positions it does seem that the more likely we are going to get altercations like this
1: right i totally agree that's exactly the reason why i wrote this article which i understand i got a lot of pushback from it um mm-hmm to be very transparent about that I mean the, the headline is prerogative over criminalization killed Dante Wright my point though is that I never want a Monday morning quarterback when we don't have all the information on these incidents and, and like zero in on the people themselves right because like I could criticize that officer or I could which is like you know the technique I suppose of more left-leaning people or right-leaning mm-hmm. people criticizing uh, Dante Wright for resisting we don't have all the information still. So I don't really like to make this an argument about people. I'd rather look at like the root causes. So I write a lot about police policies. That's kind of my beat, police policies or immigration policies and how those intersection our criminal justice system. So like write a lot about something called qualified immunity, a doctrine that makes it very hard to sue police officers and all government officials when they violate your rights, civil forfeiture, those types of things. I'd much rather talk about policies that incentivize these interactions, which as we've seen over the years can turn you know deadly and, and wrong um, in a matter of seconds i'd rather talk about why they're happening in the first place as opposed to saying you know all cops are evil or you know all people who are arrested are thugs you know i I, i'm not swayed by either one of those arguments for one and i think it's a very simplistic prism with which to solve a complex problem
0: yeah i agree i mean i i come at this from a perspective because i've been posting i posted a lot of your stuff on on my instagram story and people were responding like who are pretty sympathetic to cop sympathetic to cops about like well what about this and this? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, like, I, I understand that completely. And I'm in the pre-law track at my school here. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I would honestly consider representing um, this police officer because I think that maybe she should be acquitted. There should be room for um, accidents and forgiveness in, in criminal justice. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that we are putting humans and people with um, human responses and human incentives in these positions. Right.
1: So I think that actually, I mean, that's a point that really resonates with me. I um, am potentially working on a piece right now kind of to that exact point. And the the idea being, I think people are surprised when they hear me say this, considering my body of work kind of being critical of law enforcement, and just the government in general being skeptical mm. rather. Uh, I tweeted something yesterday, kind of similar to what you just said, in that I don't think she should go to prison. And the reason I don't think she should go to prison is that fundamental to criminal justice reform is this idea that prisons are for people that present an ongoing threat to society, right? And I don't think she does. I mean, I think her mistake, I, I sat in on a seminar about this yesterday. It sounds like it's a terrible, it obviously a terrible mistake, it cost someone his life. It's not one that I think many police officers on that panel that i just referred to, uh, really sympathized with. I think mm-hmm. she should lose her job, but I don't really know what putting her in prison serves. I felt similarly about the Amber Geiger case in 2019, the, the cop who accidentally shot um, the Guy because she mistook her apartment for her own. She's in prison for 10 years. I'm not really sure what that solves. I think that it's another case of, you know, someone who should definitely lose their job, but even the, the brother of the victim in that case, uh, both of Jean's brother said, something to the effect of, I don't think he'd want you to go to prison. And I think if we want to have fundamental criminal justice reform, we can't change the targets when it's politically convenient.
0: Yeah. I brought up the same point in some of my arguments with people. And I honestly would like to think that um, the the brother's forgiveness will move her heart a lot more than being behind bars will.
2: Exactly. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've, or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that, but I just, I hope you go to God, with all what, all the guilt, all the, thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. think anyone could say it again I'm speaking for myself not even bad for my family but I love you just like anyone else and I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did but I see sh- I I personally want the best for you Can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
0: But yeah, so you actually say that this pattern of overcriminalization criminalization has uh, found itself in other cases as well. So you mm-hmm. brought up the Eric Garner case. Do you want to explain that?
1: I did, yeah. So Eric Garner was uh, arrested for selling loose cigarettes in New York City. Um, he was choked to death after he did resist arrest. That's kind of the pushback I always get from the right. My point though, is that that doesn't matter because he shouldn't have been arrested for selling loose cigarettes anyways. Like, I don't understand why that has a compelling state interest. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of interesting data coming out from Baltimore actually, because they decriminalized drug offenses and prostitution and they saw a 20% decrease in violent crime from March, 2020 to March, 2021 when the rest of the country was burning down um, mm-hmm. and saw like pretty uniform murder rate increases, you know with Obviously, people being very fraught with the pandemic, the George Floyd protests lasting what felt like, you know, several months. Um, A lot of those turned really ugly. I don't think we should be surprised that we see an increase in crime rates, but we should be surprised if we see a decrease. And it seems Mm -hmm. like that data is directly related to, you know, getting rid of these black markets that incentivize crime. There's a reason that outlawing drugs, outlawing something like loose cigarettes, not only does that mean you have to have more interactions with police officers, it also incentivizes violent crime because you can't litigate anything in court. And, you know, illicit drugs, the the black market creates artificially high prices. So instead of going to court to say, oh, he owes me $10,000, you just kill them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is another conservative argument, because I think with the Eric Garner case, it was like um, part of the reason or part of the, yeah, part of the reason that they have these cigarette laws, the loose cigarette laws is because of cigarette taxes.
1: Right. Um, It's uh, the same thing with the plates that I said. It's a government revenue raising
0: racket. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that um, you you mentioned George Floyd in, in your article as well. And I think that there's actually a fringe argument here to the same effect that the government monopoly on legal tender is kind of pretty ironic here. I think there, there's actually a law within um, Minnesota. So, yeah, it, it says right here there's a state policy that requires stores to notify the police about counterfeit bills. And I just find that ironic because at the same time, the government was printing at like record pace, you know, dollars and giving them to corporate interests, but one dollars bill, they require um, some store to call the cops on this guy. When I think right. that the, this interaction could happen between the store and the merchant, right? They could just say, oh, this is a fake dollar bill and turn them away.
1: Yeah. Or I agree with that. You know, and now, now, you no, know, obviously someone is dead over that $20 bill. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, you know, duping someone, you know, stealing should be legal, but I mean, we have to have like these conversations about like, why do we have so many interactions between public and the police? And, you know, then we can get to why do they sometimes turn this contentious? You know, it doesn't always, I think one thing I also hear from, you know, kind of the pro law enforcement community is that these stories are statistically insignificant. And it's true that it's not often that a police officer shoots an unarmed person, but there are lots of other examples of police brutality or police malfeasance that, you know, don't make it into the news. Um, You know, we just saw in Virginia that, that, one guy that one cop pulled over that army lieutenant and had his gun up and said something to the effect of, you know, you should worry about me shooting you. And it's like, that ended okay. But like the interaction itself was not okay. And if we didn't have this culture of like filming everything now, I, we would just not
0: know. Yeah, yeah, I do think that 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 is a problem. And um, another thing is that another area in which we get stalled is, is uh, the question of whether or not there's like what the motive is so like there's a racial motive involved and stuff sure. and i think that those questions are important but what ends up happening is that you have conservatives saying well you know it's 13 percent of the population right. and it's this much when really we could just say no police brutality happens both white both black right um regardless of racial motive and it, it is horrible and it makes it more heinous like people are getting killed instead no, I agree. of like putting conservatives in this this opportunity to say, well, actually, it isn't racially motivated. It's like, no, people are dying, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think that, so the left is onto something when they say there is systemic racism in the criminal mm-hmm. justice system. But By that, I mean, it's kind of historically entrenched. I mean, Blacks are, I think, four times more likely to be arrested for drug consumption despite using drugs at the same rate as white people, uh, which is not good. Um, I think the problem is it's oversimplified sometimes in the left leaning media narratives to be like white cop shoots black person because white person hates black person. And that's not true. I mean, we can talk, I mean, a lot of times we don't have any evidence to support that. I mean, you can still make the argument that is at least somewhat entrenched in race in the sense that it is implicit. You know, it's implied based on these historical structures, but. I don't see how we're going to have any long-term solutions if everything kind of dates, goes back to, you know, white cops just hate Black people, you know, or we need more Black cops, we need more woman cops. I mean, a woman was the one who shot Dante, Wright. I'm not saying that's any commentary on female police officers in general, but I don't see how that's actually a long-term solution. Just hire more women and and Black people. I don't, that's not going to fix anything. That's the epitome of a Band-Aid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that making the problem elusive like that, instead of pointing to these actual structures like you have in this article is, is part of the problem. But um, I think also just being effective in your messaging. If if your, if your criminal justice argument is about this elusive motive of race and racial, racial bias, I think what ends up happening is you do allow conservatives to stall the conversation. Andy. Oh,
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, that's like, I think Matt Welch, who's an editor at large at Reason, had a really good piece that just came out. The headline was something to the effect of, when everything is systemic racism, you give people an excuse to tune out. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I agree. Like, I mean, we see that with even someone like the COVID policy, teachers' unions, for instance, really pushing back against reopening because reopening is racist. I mean, like, I... Am the first person to write in a lot of the body of my work because of what I write about that, yeah, racism is a part of this. But if you only look at it through that singular prism, then we'll just never solve anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's actually a tweet that's been circulating. I wanted to read you and get your take on it. So it says black people get killed by police because that's what police were made to do. Saying Black people get killed by police over air fresheners and $20 bills is inaccurate and diverts blame from the system of policing itself. It sounds trendy to say, but it's wrong. Abolition now. Mm. I think that just kind of goes to what we were just talking about.
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think a lot of these people are well-intentioned and they're Mm -hmm. kind of like fed a certain story over and over again from the news outlets they consume. I'm not saying everyone in the media is, you know, propagating these stories, but I think if you kind of live in a filter bubble, you could legitimately believe that. You could legitimately believe that all police officers are just hunting black people in the streets. I think there was an interesting study that came out that um, essentially asked people of a certain, of a certain sect of the democratic party, like how many unarmed black men do you think are getting gunned down by police? And they answered in the thousands and it's more like 20. So, a year. So, I think that's still something we should talk about, but I think we should talk about policies. Like, what's the root of the problem? Um, I don't think that whoever made that tweet would be happy with abolishing all law enforcement. I mean, I think we should just divert law enforcement Mm -hmm. to what they should actually be focusing on, which is violent crime, you know, not Mm -hmm. drug crime, not having your vehicle unregistered. You know, like, I I just don't think that, I think we, we need to have a little more nuance.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I think even if we grant that, you know, this the system is racist, if we are to say that it is, um, and we might, uh, I just think the more excuses that we give to the system in that case, um, to weaponize that racism, if you want to say, like, if you give them more reasons to regulate more reasons to criminalize, then you're going to see more cases like this, like if there's more if there's no drug war, police can't use the drug war as an excuse for breaking down someone's door, you know?
1: No, I agree. And that's why I think this is fundamentally both a left and right-leaning cause. I really, really believe that. I'm, I'm neither a conservative nor a liberal, and I, you know, feel pretty politically homeless these days. But <laughs> I mean, I think that there's a version of that argument that fits in both of those political factions, you know, most people on the left have come around to this idea that the drug war should be over now. Mm-hmm. They still wanna make a whole lot of other stupid laws. Whereas people on the right are still kind of uncomfortable with the idea of people, you know, smoking, because I think they think it's some sort of like moral blessing, which it doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. um, but are generally better about pulling back bad laws. So I just think both of them, you know, they're both so close, you yeah. know, like <laughs> they can just like try a little harder.
0: I know that's that's the thing. It's I, I saw a tweet the other day that it, it was like um, conservatives don't like the administrative side of things they don't like the laws but they but they love the enforcement side and mm. liberals they they hate the enforcement side but they love the administrative side
1: yeah that's exactly it that's exactly it
0: yeah so um i i i wonder what what do you think are the solutions here when it comes to like qualified immunity are there are there any other areas like that that you want to talk about really quick
1: sure so i qualified immunity people who don't know what that is it's a uh, so legal doctrine invented by the Supreme Court um, in its first iteration in the 60s and in the second iteration um, in the 80s that essentially says that in order to sue a government official, not just police, but any government official for violating your rights, it has to be clearly established um, in a prior case court precedent. Um, so what that means in practice is that any uh, victim of government malfeasance has to be able to find a court precedent on the books with almost identical factual circumstances in order to sue the person who violated the rights, which is extremely difficult to do. Um, A good example that I always bring up is there were two cops in Fresno, California, about three hours from me that stole $225,000 while executing a search warrant. And the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in denying the plaintiff the right to sue you know, overcoming qualified immunity does not render a judgment. It doesn't mean they would have gotten their money back. It just means they had the right to bring their case before a jury. So this Court of Appeals said they had no right to bring it before a jury because there was no court precedent that said stealing money while executing a search warrant is wrong. That's just insane. I mean, like in the opinion itself, you know, the judges, justices, they said, obviously stealing is wrong. But in our current system, we think that we we just hold Uh, our government to such a low standard and think that they might not know that, which is just absurd because all of us are held to a higher standard. And that's not how it's supposed to be. The government is not supposed to be held to a lower standard. Arguably, it should be the reverse. Um, So I think tearing down policies that prevent people, the little guy from holding the government accountable are key. And the reason I think that is, is because, you know, obviously there's a lack of trust in those institutions. And if you're able to hold them accountable, perhaps there will be more trust. And also, if someone violates your rights, you you should have recourse. So for something like qualified immunity, I think just tear it down. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of conservatives would push back and say, oh, well, then, you know, you you open up a floodgate against the good cops, which is just a fundamental misunderstanding of what qualified immunity is. Um, You know, if a judge rules that you didn't violate someone's rights, then no, you cannot sue them. So it's not going to affect any cop or any government official that didn't violate someone's rights. Um, So I think that would be my biggest takeaway. Things like civil forfeiture, uh, that's another good example where the government is able to just steal your property. If you're suspected of a crime, some states require a conviction. Um, but a lot of the times, it's just if there's some sort of, you know, preponderance of the evidence that you might have done something. Lots of people reason just came out with a story, CJ Ciaramella, who I always recommend reading. He just came out with a story yesterday about a man who had uh, $40,000 seized at the airport and was never charged for the crime, which happens a lot. There's a lot of uh, DEA, cash seizures at airports, because they say they're honing in on drugs, which is just a crock of shit, if you excuse my French. Um, Those types of things, those types of policies that hone in on innocent people um, and give them little recourse, you know, the the subject of the story never got his money back, even though he was never charged with a crime, that's insane. So I think we can really bolster some trust in these institutions if we simplify it a little bit, you know, cops should be focusing on murder, they should be focusing on rape, they should be focusing on property crime. the clear rates in all of those areas are depressingly low but they are really good at finding drugs and pulling people over for speeding.
0: Yeah and then you did do some work on uh, qualified immunity getting repealed in some states. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Uh, yeah so I've been cited in a few letters to congress with just you know certain stories I've written. Um, I will talk about some good news out of New Mexico for instance. You know they just uh, abolished qualified immunity at the state level. You know it obviously still exists at the federal level so those people might be out of luck for federal civil rights suits but you know if you know a government official were to violate a new mexican's rights uh they could sue under state law same thing happened in colorado and connecticut all you know different ways of kind of reeling it in new york city just um curbed it for police officers only um, i think it's important that we talk about the fact that qualified immunity applies to all state actors and not just police officers um it's you know very politically expedient i think right now to only hone in on law enforcement but you know qualified immunity has also protected corrupt college administrators something i also say to my conservative friends you know like this is not a conservative or a liberal issue this is just a people issue
0: yeah yeah and just to tell people about some of the other stuff you're you have worked on uh one of your most recent articles is about eminent domain do you want to just briefly cover that and then we can let you go
1: Sure, um, this is a really important story actually. Um, Joe Biden on the campaign trail, specifically campaigned on kind of injecting the humanity back into the US immigration policy. I was not a fan of Trump's immigration policy. I think a lot of people were hopeful that Biden would be better. And one of the things he said he would not do, obviously, is build that border wall. And as a part of that, he said he would stop land seizures at the border, You know, which is you know, eminent domain is when the government comes in and says, you know, even though you own this land, There's a compelling interest that we should steal it from you Um, and he said he would stop all those lawsuits and let those people have their land and continue about their about their lives and um i reported on a family yesterday that just had their land seized um and biden said you know he was going to pause all that for 60 days and then release his final decision which would be that you know no Americans would have their land stolen for a border wall. That's exactly what happened uh, two days ago. They had it seized officially yesterday, I believe. Um, and it's a really sad story because it's this Texas family, um, they're all elderly, they're in retirement, they were using the land um, to run out to tenants. And now that all is up in the air. Um, so I think in some ways, Biden has been extremely disappointing on the issue that he really honed in on on the campaign trail as like what would be so much better about his administration, he's just not delivering that at all yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, if there's anything that you want to say, um, I know that there's also like a gun angle to this. Um, I believe it was, Dante Wright had a had a warrant out for his arrest for possessing mm-hmm. a forty-five. correct?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, there is an interesting gun control discussion to have here. You know, one of the warrants they pulled him on, there was two misdemeanor counts, um, which usually would not warrant an arrest, but he missed his court date, which is what releases that warrant. Um, One of them was for fleeing an officer and the other was for possessing a pistol without a permit. So there is an interesting gun control discussion to have here as well. I mean, like, should you need that? I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, but I think we should talk about it. Um, Gun control, I think people might be surprised to know that that actually does have very racist origins. Gun control in this country was essentially enacted initially to keep black people from getting guns. Um, A lot of times people in poverty can't afford all the you know hula hoops you have to jump through to get a gun um so yeah i think that's an important discussion an important part of this as well
0: yeah cool well i think the lesson is that we just need to look past the surface level of all all of this stuff but uh yeah if there's anything else that you want to say uh, we can let you go and then if you want to just tell people where they can find you
1: yeah sure so i'm at reason magazine i'm on twitter at billy binion um and that's my byline as well billy binion
0: Awesome. Well thank you, Billy. Thanks It's the weekend we can let go. It's the full cent and it's the get-go, it's the get-go, get go.
1: Still not as green as a bank account screen on. Not really, though. You were probably jealous.